Amen. So if I were to tell you that a bishop, a rabbi, an imam, and a Baptist preacher walk into a room, you would think I was telling a joke, right? But uh, I had the opportunity uh, during Thanksgiving week to be part of a of a, a panel of clergymen and Bishop Flores from the Diocese of Brownsville and Rabbi Kogan, who is in charge of the bioethics department at UTRGV and the Imam of the Far Mosque and yours truly from Calvary Baptist Church, uh, had an opportunity to have an exchange to have people uh, from uh, the audience ask us questions uh, that, that talked about things that we have in common and perhaps things that are different and things to be thankful for during the week of Thanksgiving. And when I posted it on Facebook and social media, I really was expecting to get a lot of pushback from my own people. I thought, you know, people are going to criticize me and, and all that, but I didn't. I, a lot of you click like or make good comments and and uh, didn't question my judgment so far anyway. And uh, I did get some people on Twitter that are very, very like passionate Roman Catholics who are trying to convert me. They're still trying, they're, they're, they're still trying to work on me. So uh, if I don't show up one of these Sundays, you know what happened. Um, uh, but you know, when, when, um, when we think about things like this, we, we are reminded that sometimes we, we have to go to places that are outside of our comfort zone to see God at work. Sometimes God is at work in, in unexpected places. Sometimes God shows up in, in areas where, where we really wouldn't think that he would be there. And so we must be ready to engage in those conversations. We started a series last Sunday that I've entitled Posada uh, after that Mexican tradition during Christmas where there's a procession that goes from house to house singing songs and asking for posada, meaning asking for room at the inn and people are supposed to say no and the procession keeps going and it keeps growing and then they get to a house where it's already been prearranged that they are supposed to open the door and say, yeah, there is room here and people go in and there's tamales and hot chocolate and piñatas and candies and, and that's what a posada is. And, and, and I, I thought about naming our series uh, that because that's what the story of Mary and Joseph was they, they traveled to Bethlehem and they were looking for room at the inn. They went from place to place looking for a place to stay and, and they found no room at the inn. And the question I asked you last Sunday was, is there room for Jesus in your Christmas? And so we continue uh, with this series uh, posada, room for Jesus, and we're going to pick up where we uh, pick up where we left last Sunday. We had read Luke chapter two, verses one through seven, and now we're picking up in verse eight. Now, this is a familiar story to you, and, and just so that you don't get lost in the familiarity of it and miss something, I would like to read it from the message, Eugene Peterson's translation, and perhaps you can hear it afresh, this well-known story, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says, there were sheep herders camping in the neighborhood. They had set night watches over their sheep. 
Suddenly, God's angels stood among them, and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody. Worldwide, a savior has just been born in David's town, a savior who is Messiah and master. This is what you're to look for, a baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. At once, the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the heavenly heights. Peace to all men and women on earth who please him. As the, angels choir, as the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the sheep herders talked it over. Let's go over to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. They left running and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Seeing was believing. They told everyone they met what the angels had said about this child. All who heard the sheep herders were impressed. Mary kept all these things to herself, holding them dear, deep within herself. The sheep herders returned and let loose glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen. It turned out exactly the way they'd been told. It's interesting. There was no room for Jesus at any of the hostels in Bethlehem. But somehow there was room for God's message in an unexpected place to unassuming people. And that's what I want us to talk about today. God shows up in unexpected places. If you wanted to experience God's presence, if you wanted to look for God, where would you go? Where are the places that you say, I'm looking for God and I know I'll find him there. If you were directing someone who said, look, I'm looking for God, where do I go? Where would you send them? If you were in charge of arranging the Messiah's birth, where would you arrange the birth? If, if God said to you, look, you're gonna be in charge of, of choosing the place and, and all the arrangements that have to do with the coming down of the Son of God to earth, what city would you choose? Probably not New York or Los Angeles. <laughs> Houston, Dallas, McAllen. Where would you have chosen? Well, Bethlehem was the expected place of Jesus' birth, at least to one prophet. Prophet Micah says in Micah 5.2, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins am from, old, from of old, from ancient times. So even the prophet said, you know, I know you're not going to believe this, but even this little town called Bethlehem, which is from one of the clans of Judah, even from there, the Messiah is supposed to be born. It, it, it was a sense of, of, of clarifying. It might surprise you. He's not going to be born in Jerusalem, the center of, of religious life where the temple is and, and where people of influence and cloud are found. But, but in Bethlehem, even the Magi who came from the east following the star, when they had arrived in Jerusalem, they, they thought they had finished their pilgrimage. And they go to the obvious place, they go to the White House. I mean, they go to Herod's palace. 
And, and they ask him, where is the one to be born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star and we follow the star. And Herod is upset, he's terrified that he doesn't know about this important event. And so he asks all the Bible scholars and, and they go up and they open the scrolls and they're looking frantically because nobody wants Herod to be upset. Bad things happen when Herod is upset. People die. And they're looking at the scrolls and, and they find, oh, it's right here. He's supposed to be born in Bethlehem, an unlikely place. But even in Bethlehem, there was found no room for the Messiah. Baby Jesus is born in, in a secluded corner of this small, insignificant town, and no one in town knows what's going on. In the meantime, there are shepherds camping out in the outskirts of Bethlehem. If, if Bethlehem is a non-prominent place, the, the fields outside Bethlehem are less prominent. No one important would go there. No, no religious scholar would venture out into the night where shepherds and sheep sleep. No, no, no ruler, no governor would go there, but God shows up there. God shows up in the margins. He shows up in the outskirts. He shows up out of the city limits of this insignificant town because God shows up in unexpected places. The angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. That's just like God, isn't it? For him to show up in unexpected places. I'm sure that when Moses left Pharaoh's palace and, and he was wandering in the desert taking care of his father-in-law's goats and sheep, that he didn't expect that a bush would be the place where God would show up. And yet there was this bush that caught on fire and he heard a voice that said, I am who I am. And he told Moses, take off your sandals for the place where you stand is holy ground. It wasn't a cathedral. It wasn't a temple. It was a desert and a burning bush was the place where God showed up. When Ezekiel thought that he was the only one left that believed in the living God, God says, let me show you who I am. Let me show up and you'll see me. And Ezekiel is standing there ready for God to show up and there's this violent wind that comes through it. It tears up mountains and, and rocks and, and the Bible says that God was not in the wind. And the wind was followed by an incredible earthquake that shook the earth and, and as the earthquake is taking place and, 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 and the prophet Elijah is, is part of this experience, he finds out that God it's not in the earthquake. And then there's a fire that comes and, and it burns and, 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 and Elijah's impressed with the flames looking for God in the flames and, and God is not in the fire. And then comes a gentle whisper and God is in the gentle whisper. Sometimes God shows up in the unexpected way, in unexpected places. The angel of the Lord shows up in the fields outside of Bethlehem. 
God shows up in unexpected places, so don't be surprised when he shows up where you didn't think he would show up. In fact, be ready to go places where, where you wouldn't think you should be going because there God may use you. Serve God in the margins. Secondly, God shares his message with unassuming people. The religious leaders of Jerusalem might have thought that they were entitled to get the news. They said, surely when the Messiah is about to be born, God's going to notify the high priest first. This is a hierarchy. You know, we're supposed to know these things first, but God didn't tell the high priest. He didn't go to the religious people at the temple. He didn't even tell Herod. He, he didn't bother to go to the upper echelons of, of society to notify them about the coming of Jesus. The message was delivered to, to shepherds in the field. These, these guys who were like common peasants. These were like the ranch hands that never expect to be invited to the White House for the lighting of the Christmas tree. These are the migrant workers picking up vegetables and fruits who, who never think that the governor will invite them over to their mansion to have Christmas dinner with them. It was to these shepherds that the message is delivered. It is, it is these shepherds that God chooses to be the ones to receive this great news for the first time. It is that trailer park in, in, in the other side of the tracks where, where the most beautiful and wonderful angelic concert shows up. The shepherds might have been unassuming, but they were receptive. They were ready. Remember that song where it says, do you hear what I hear? Said the little lamb to the shepherd boy, do you hear what I hear? Ringing through the sky, shepherd boy, do you hear what I hear? A song, a song. High above the trees with a voice as big as the sea, with a voice as big as the sea. The shepherds were not expecting God's message to come to them, but when they heard it, they received it, and they acted on it. They eagerly responded. Verse 15 says that when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said, let's go home. That was a great Sunday. No, they said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They were ready to go and find out. It's incredible how receptive, unassuming people are to God's message. Perhaps that's why God prefers to deliver his message to unassuming people, because of their, their receptivity. I had the opportunity this week to, to visit one of our members in the hospital who is well over 90 years old. She and her husband are well over 90, 92, 91, and uh, his name is Vern. Vern plays the trombone in our 930 service at his age, and uh, he loves to play the trombone. And, and Val, his wife, was hospitalized, and, and so we were uh, there, and, and we were visiting, and Vern was concerned that uh, all this had happened, and he didn't know if he was going to be able to play for our Christmas program. And I said, Vern, that's understandable, you know. Hey, did I tell you he's 92 years old? You know, some of you that think you have excuses, right? And, and, and then he said, you know, I'm getting together a, a quartet of horns, and we're preparing a Christmas concert for the assisted living place where we live. And I want you to know, Pastor, that 
Calvary has people who take the message of Christmas to other places. And I thought about that. I said, you know how many times we gather at church and we hear music and we hear messages and, and we maybe go through the motions, but I guarantee you that when Vern and that quartet of horns will play Christmas music in that assisted home, whether they're the best musicians in the world or not, the people there will think it's the best concert ever because they're receptive. They're unassuming. They're humble. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I was so humbled recently because many of you have been texting me or sending me messages through social media that you're praying for me and my family. And I so love and appreciate that. It's made a world of difference. But one of the most significant messages is, is in one of the classes uh, that I teach on Wednesday nights. And we have this WhatsApp group. And, and in the group is this Chinese lady that a couple of weeks ago was baptized. She just became a follower of Jesus. And she's already back in China. And, uh, and as people were saying they were praying for me, she sent the message. She said, Pastor Julio, I want you to know that I'm praying for you. And it is the first time that I ever pray for anyone. Brand new follower of Jesus. And she used her very first intercessory prayer on me. That's humbling. How God uses unassuming people for his glory. And God, thirdly, saves humanity through unlikely proclaimers. We may ask ourselves, why is it that the angels didn't show up at the manger? I don't know how many of you have nativity scenes at home. My wife and I have several nativity scenes. And in all of our nativity scenes, or at least most of them, there's an angel. But you know that Luke doesn't say there were angels at the manger. The angels didn't show up at the manger. They didn't show up in Bethlehem. They showed up in the fields. Why didn't they show up in Bethlehem? Why didn't they come to the manger and say, hey, Mary and Joseph, this is the, the, the Jesus that, that we had promised you about. They don't show up there. Who is it that brings the news to Joseph and Mary, who is it that brings the news to the people around the manger? Who is it that brings the news of Jesus' birth to Bethlehem? It's the shepherds. It's the shepherds. They're not Bible scholars. They're not theologians. Verse 17 says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. They were uneducated and rugged as they come, but they were God's chosen proclaimers of his great news to that town. What an incredible thing it is who God chooses. You know, I read this week that uh, the Chinese government is dedicating the church where Lottie Moon attended as a historical site. And I started thinking about Lottie Moon. If you've been a Southern Baptist uh, for any amount of time, then you've heard the name Lottie Moon. We, we have a Christmas offering for international missions. Our church gives to that, not just at Christmas, but throughout the year. But, but the story of Lottie Moon is really a, a, an incredible story because she, in the late 1800s, when women were not allowed to attend the Southern Baptist Convention, 
When women were not allowed to be a part of the important meetings of the convention, she, single, as a single lady, went to China and became the first Southern Baptist missionary. I get a kick out of that because today Southern Baptists are still debating what place should women have in ministry. And I'm going, are you kidding me right now? Lottie Moon in the late 1800s went to China. Today there are 4,000 people that gathered to worship in that church. How many people came to Christ and were baptized and, and, and became missionaries and proclaimers because God uses unlikely proclaimers to make the good news of Jesus Christ known. Christ is the Savior. He did everything that it requires for people to be saved, but he chooses to send his message to people like you and me. We may not be the best communicators, but we're the ones that God chose. We may not be the, the smartest and the sharpest, but we're the ones that have experienced what the, what the shepherds experience, the presence of Jesus in our lives, the message of good news that transforms us and never, never, never leaves us the same. We're the ones that God has chosen to proclaim the good news. Notice that the purpose of meeting Jesus is always to go back out and proclaim him. When the shepherds came to the manger, they, they rejoiced, but they didn't stay there. Luke 2.20 says the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They met Jesus, and then they returned and proclaimed. One of the exciting things about our uh, visits to the Republic of Georgia, Pastor Chad and Jose Luis were there recently, is in, in one of the contexts that we have, there is a training center for, uh, for people in close countries. And it is close to the border of, of Turkey. And, 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 and this week we, we received news that there are a lot of Christians coming out of Iran to the training center where they can learn how to make disciples and plant churches and when they can learn skills so that they can get good jobs. And they're not staying in Turkey. They're not going to the Republic of Georgia. They're not asking for visas to come to the U.S. They're going right back into Iran so they can tell people about Jesus. Just like the shepherds. They're returning to where they came from so that they can proclaim the good news. Some of you know that I have the privilege of, of being on the board of Buckner International and, and Buckner International cares for uh, vulnerable children, uh, but uh, we also care, we also have senior care. And there are different places uh, around Texas where, uh, where there's senior care and, and one of those places is, is Park Place in Houston. And there in Park Place this week, we, we had one of the residents that turned 100 years old. She, she had her 100th birthday. And she was a missionary to Venezuela for 38 years along with her husband. And besides being a missionary, she's a Houston Astros fan. And so Buckner said, you know, she took the time to go 38 years into an unexpected place to be a missionary. So they made arrangements for Jose Altuve to come and visit her. And she is visiting with her here in this picture. He gave her an autographed baseball and she started talking in Spanish to him. And then he took his phone and they FaceTimed his family and they, connect, they had that Venezuelan co co uh, connection. 
and, and they talked about these things. And I said, what a great thing it is. Somebody went, an unlikely proclaimer, went to an unexpected place. And now she's not forgotten. Somebody has taken the time to make her day special. There was no room for Jesus at the guest houses in Bethlehem. But there was room for his message in unexpected places to unassuming people. God shows up in unexpected places. God shares his message with unassuming people. And God saves humanity through unlikely proclaimers. What does that mean to us? What does that mean to you? What does it mean for Jesus to have room in unexpected places? Well, I think it serves that, it means that we serve in the margins. We serve God in the margins. We, we listen to his voice receptively like the shepherds did. And we go and we take his message to others. You, many of you do that in, in different ways. I was thrilled this week to hear different reports, different stories. For example, uh, Circle of Care is, is an agency that takes care of foster children. And, and I was thrilled to hear that this week our church uh, was able to deliver 48 gifts, 48 Christmas gifts to foster families that are gonna be able to have this support in this special Christmas. And I said, what a great way for us to, to go out of our comfort zone and minister to people in need. I, I, some of you know Marty Moore. Uh, he's our, our greeter uh, back in the front, really, at the 11 o'clock service. And, and he really takes the credit for anything good that happens in our services. And, um, and uh, when things go well, he comes to me and says, you're welcome. Uh, and, and you know him for, for his cheesy humor and all of that. But, but Marty's been on the magazine, on the cover of Chamber of Commerce uh, magazine recently, and then he's been in two articles of his trade. He owns a cleaners, and they featured him in two articles, and, and they talk about the pride that he takes in, in running a good business and taking care of his customers. But, but, but the story that really has caught people, people's attention is, is when one customer walked into the cleaners about eight years ago, he was a prison chaplain. And knowing that Marty is very outspoken about his faith and, and he's not shy to share his faith with customers and, and employees, he told Marty, why don't you come with me to the prison and talk to the prisoners, to the inmates about Jesus? And Marty took up the challenge and, and for eight years he's been going faithfully every week to talk and he teaches the Bible study. In fact, uh, he's been invited to go into one of the cells where, where they have a little bit harder crime and, and he pours into their lives. He shares with them and he speaks to them frankly about Jesus. He, in fact, sometimes he helps them when they get out. He's established a trust fund to help them transition to, to real life because he knows how difficult that is. And I think about the fact that that is exactly those places where God wants to show up. That is exactly the places where God wants to send us. To places where others wouldn't go. To others where others would not take the time of day to go. That's the places where God is sending us to. And I'm thankful for people like Marty and for people like you who do that in different ways. Some of you are having an impact on prison ministry this month, you picked up an angel from Angel Tree. Our church 
has picked up 300 angels. That represents 300 children whose one of, his, one of their parents is in prison. But this Christmas, they're going to have toys and the clothes that they wish for because you are the incarnate love of Jesus to them. Because you have become the love of Jesus, the hands of Jesus, and the feet of Jesus to them. You've been a proclaimer through action. And really, one of the exciting things is that on the 21st of December, all of those gifts that you've brought are going to be distributed to the families. The families will come to pick them up. And what a great day that will be when they pick up those gifts and they know that their Christmas is going to be special because this church cared. But wouldn't it be greater if some of you would show up that day and you would shake their hand or give them a hug? If you would pray with them and establish a relationship with them so that this Christmas, they don't just walk away with a toy or a gift, but they walk away with the gift of the Savior, who is Jesus Christ. You have the opportunity to do that. Serve God in the margins. Listen to his voice receptively and go take his message to others. Would you bow your head with me today? Father, I thank you that one day you decided to come to earth and, and when you did, the way you had decided to announce that was really unorthodox. And thank you because you, you gave that message to shepherds, not to really important people. Because it's a reminder to us that, that you work outside our own paradigms, our own expectations, our own frames of thinking. So today I pray, God, that you help us to see beyond our own boundaries, our own prejudice, and to see you at work in places and lives and ways that we might not otherwise expect. Help us to be sensitive and receptive to the leading of your spirit. And help us to respond like the shepherds did, eagerly and joyfully and obediently. Don't let us leave this place without making a decision, without responding to the message, without making a commitment. As you consider how God has spoken to you today, I want to invite you to, to meditate on that. On the back of your bulletins, there's a space where, where you can write down what God said to you today. Maybe you know exactly what, what God is calling you to do. What is that response, that commitment? You can write that down there also. This week I will do this in response to God's message. Maybe it's share Christ with a neighbor. Maybe it's participate in a ministry maybe it's to be more open minded in your conversations with people maybe for the first time you need to trust Jesus as Savior and Lord Jesus came to a manger but he didn't stay in a manger he went to the cross but he didn't stay in the cross 
He was buried in a tomb, but he didn't stay in the tomb. He ascended to heaven and he's sitting down on his throne as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And, and today he wants to be Lord of your heart. So maybe your prayer today, maybe your response is to say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my heart. I want you to be my King. Forgive my sins. I give my life to you from this day forward. I will follow you. Pray that prayer in the quietness of your heart and God will hear and act and save you. Maybe you wanna follow the Lord in believer's baptism or join this church or join a, a Bible fellowship, a home fellowship. Whatever it is, you make the commitment right now. You say yes. And as you continue to respond, I invite you to stand to your feet. We'll respond in prayer. We'll respond in commitment. We'll respond in song.